0: Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber. All for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah with so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid. Like my bookie, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie today on the Zabecast. Better late than ever. Some thoughts on moral victories in the Packers' loss to the Bills, plus tunnel fights and underwear hammer attacks. Also, Elon Musk and his bold plan to tax the blue checks. Will it work? A decline of the sports culture that has led to Rod. Kyrie Irving is a one-man wrecking crew. And Tom Brady is finally available, ladies. Your 30-minute uncensored version of me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Here we go. It is your better late than never Monday edition of the ZabeCast. Thank you for downloading, and thank you for being patient and understanding that I just was i was not feeling it last night. A confluence of scheduling issues, including the late Packer game, the fact that the Commander's game against Indy was the afternoon game, so Andy was not really available to do the podcast at his normal time, which is right around the end of the 4 o'clock. He so had stuff going on. We're going to have him on for tomorrow's podcast. So I said, okay. I'll do a solo podcast. Well, as always, I'm like, I don't like putting a solo Monday podcast to bed at you know 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I feel like all the NFL stuff is going to shake free content and stuff that I'm going to want to talk about and I'm going to want to include on the Monday podcast. So here we are today. I just got done with my morning show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, and we had a most robust discussion on the five-wide crossover segment about whether or not Josh Allen had a good, not-so-good, or bad game by his standards between myself, John Kuhn, Armin Sarian, and Brian Butch, and Josh. I said, look, I mean, I'm glad the Packers showed some fight in the second half, and they maybe scored a pseudo-moral victory of some sorts. We should probably put a pin in that, as they say in cheesy... uh, Corporate speak. Put a pin in that, will you? you? Need to put a pin. I have notes here on every. Oh, there they are, right there. They're hiding behind my this. Um, about whether morally moral victories exist in sports or in the NFL. If they if there can be such a thing, what does it look like? How? Why? Etc. Anyway, my point was, I said, you know, Josh Allen played a bad game, C minus game by his standards, and the boys lost their minds. They literally lost their shit going, what are you talking about? How can you say that? He made all these great baller plays evading the rush and running for first downs and throwing touch. And I'm like, yeah, that's what he does. That's why he is who he is. But you can't tell me that a guy who's leading the league in yards per game, leading the league in touchdowns, throwing for piddling 218 yards with two really horseshit picks. You can't say he played a good game. Not by his standards, by Zach Wilson's standards. Oh, yeah, of course. By the way, Zach Wilson completely sucks. The picks he threw in the closing quarter of that game against the paint just got awful. And I don't know how you look at that guy just as small as he is. His perfect blonde hair, his, you know, uh, perfect blue eyes and not say to yourself, oh, I'm going to hate this guy. I'm going to hate his perfect smile, perfect eyes, perfect hair, and him sucking at quarterback. Uh, The Jets lose to the Patriots on Sunday. But anyway, back to Josh Allen. I said, look, (laughs) I'm glad the Packers may have forced him into a bad game. There's that argument as well. But either way, (laughs) 13 to 25 for 218 yards and two picks, despite the two touchdowns, is a bad game for Josh Allen. Including of, you know, he missed half of his throws, basically. And several of the throws were wildly overthrown. Sure, he ran for 49 yards. That helps. But by his standards, you know, Josh Allen has 400-yard passing games. He has three and four touchdown passing games. He has games in which he does not throw a single turnover. He runs for touchdowns as well. He completes 65% of his passes. Uh, on the season so far you didn't get the best Josh Allen you could get and maybe it was the Packers defense forcing him to be that not so great Josh Allen but it was a weird thing to argue the other thing that is now facing Packer fans is this dilemma what are you going to do with the trade deadline coming up going to make a move for a wide receiver or not they got to finish eight and one to go 11 and six which for a fan base that's enjoyed 13 and three 13 and three 13 and four 11 and 6 feels like an itchy sweater. They'd have to finish 7 and 2 just to go 10 and 7, which may not even get them in. Because with how things unfolded yesterday, someone said, "Hey, you know, the NFC East could actually be the first conference in history since they went to four-team divisions to send their entire division to the playoffs." Of course, with expanded playoffs, this was bound to happen, right? At some point, Commanders steal another win from the Colts. I mean, look, good for them. Good for them. Back to the Packers for a second. So what do you do? Do you make a trade for a wide receiver? Do you give up some big future assets to bring a guy in that might be too little, too late? Who knows if he catches on? There are guys that could be pried open on first-year contracts. DJ Moore is the most coveted. Yes, I'll talk about his helmet incident in a second. Uh, Chase Claypool's gettable for the Steelers who are swirling the drain. He has slipped off. Um, I'm not a coach. I don't look at his film, so I don't know if they're seeing stuff on there. They're like, yeah, not so much. Elijah Moore, the Ole Miss product who barked like a dog and pissed on the goalpost and got a penalty and cost him the game. Uh, he's available. He wants out of New York. Brandon cooks is quietly putting in big work for the Texans who continue to stink. Jerry Juty Chutey, Juty Chutey, Juty's not really producing. Could that be Russell Wilson? By the way, did you see Russell Wilson say Broncos country? Let's ride to Laura Rutledge on ESPN. He's leaning into it, which in a way I kind of respect. You want Kendrick Bourne? I mean, you could get somebody you're going to have to give up something and there's no guarantee it's going to work. But what are you going to do? Was it a moral victory for the Packers to hang in there, play tough in the second half, and only lose by 10 and cover the spread of 10 and a half? Kinda. I kind of believe in moral victories only in certain specific circumstances. And when a loss, which is a moral victory like this one, keeps things from accelerating, as long as the Packers didn't disintegrate in the second half, that 24-7 to 7 didn't turn into... 41 to 13 when it was all said and done. I think that matters. I think that keeps things together. It keeps a certain level of cohesion within the team. Okay, I've got so many things and so many pins and so many places. Where was I? Let's talk about DJ Moore. DJ Moore catches an incredible pass from PJ Walker with 15 seconds left. Down six. Touchdown plus extra point means we win the game when it looked very, very bleak. He catches the pass, he's in the end zone, teammates are mobbing him and he instantly takes off his helmet and draws a 15-yard penalty which cannot be applied on the kickoff, is instead applied on the extra point and now with this stupid, I never was a fan and still am not a fan, uh, 33-yard extra point was the last thing that poor Eddie Pinheiro of the Carolina Panthers wanted to see because he was having an awful, terrible, horrible, no-good day, Eddie Pinheiro, and of course, he missed it. He missed it wide left, which he had missed all of his kicks yesterday. Poor Eddie Pinheiro. Uh He missed an extra point left, and he missed a field goal left. He didn't miss all of his kicks. He did make two of them, but it's the extra points that kill you. And that was the one that killed him. Now, is it a stupid rule that you can't take your helmet off in the field of play? Yes. Yes, it's stupid. It's not only stupid, it's vindictive. The NFL wants players to remain as nameless and faceless as possible. They want them all interchangeable. That's why they want the helmets on. It's not a safety issue. If they say it is, it's bullshit. Guy scores a touchdown, he wants to celebrate, rips off his helmet, holds it all off, gets that good FaceTime on TV. All right now. There you go. I'm all for that. Much more for that than I am the taunting that's going on in sports. Put a pin in that. Hold on. Where are my pins? See, I just need to write this down. We'll go back to this taunting. Okay. Anyway. We waited seven extra hours for this disheveled. Shut your face. It's a podcast. I'm working on it. Okay, I don't mind players doing that, but the NFL clearly wants them to keep their helmets on. Now, many people said, hold on a second. I swear I saw Terry McLaurin of the Commanders sans helmet after his big 50-50 ball that he wrestled away from the defender at the goal line to set up the Commanders' come-from-behind win. How come he wasn't flagged? Aha. It's because... The commander's called a timeout and during a timeout, you are allowed to remove your helmet. Stupid, capricious, illogical. Yes, yes. And of course, but it's the rule. DJ Moore should have known the rule, been aware of the rule, had the rule in his mind and he should have said, listen, I am not going to cost my team a penalty here. I'm super happy I caught the ball. The fact that I made this catch and that will be talked about and the highlight will be played over and over and over again as we come away as improbable winners and, by the way, that win would have put them atop the division after firing their coach and trading their best running back. you kidding me? It wasn't enough for D.J. Moore. In that moment to think, oh, man, I'm going to be the talk of the league this week. All right. I might win offensive player of the week. They're going to show this highlight over and over again. I'm going to get interviewed by everybody and their mom after the game and get to tell them how awesome I was. And, yeah, well, I tracked it here and I saw it coming. And I reached out and I caught it. That wasn't enough. He needed more me. He needed more of that self-centered glory. And that is losing football. There's only two kinds of football, smart football and losing football. And that was unfortunately losing football. You can say, well, Pinero's a pro kicker. He should be able to make the extra point. Yeah, he should, but it made it way harder. It directly caused them to not win the game. Well, they should have still won an overtime. Do you see the overtime? Yeah, I know. They had multiple chances back and forth, but guess what? They didn't. That's the thing. They didn't all because of a simple act. Now let's talk taunting. Before the Packer Bills game, Jair Alexander and Stephon Diggs got into it in the tunnel. Let me put a pin in that tunnel, taunting each other uh, about you know who's better, who's going to get the best, blah blah blah. Turns out that Jair Alexander did not even cover digs more than I think four passes or something like that. Not not very many. He was instead assigned to Gabe Davis, which makes many people scratch their heads. Like you paid him the more money than any corner in NFL history. Why wouldn't he just get the number one guy every week? He didn't get Justin Jefferson in week one. He didn't get digs this. Time. What are you doing? Joe Barry. And part of me says, yeah, you idiot. I want to go Dwight shrewd on him. Yeah, idiot. And then I say, well, wait a minute. There's other coaches on that staff, and I'm sure they have meetings to talk about this, and I'm sure there's probably reasons. And you would think that LaFleur would actually say, you know what? They're going to overrule you here, Joe Boy. I got to make sure that uh, Alexander is on Stefan Diggs. Anyway, the two of them drawn in the tunnel. Mostly harmless in a vacuum, but nothing's in the vacuum. Where do kids, kids, where do young players, college players, get the idea that tunnel fights are just part of the game? Well, that's where they get it from, the constant trash-talking and the degrading of the sports culture that is going on at every turn. And it seems like nobody, sadly, is above the fray. The coaches aren't doing themselves any honor these days with their sniping back and forth. Lane Kiffin talking shit about Jimbo Fisher saying, maybe he's got a joker costume for me because he called him a joker. Brian Kelly wearing a meme shirt to sort of clap back against Kiffin. Look, the coaches should be above it if they want to set the tone. All of it is cultural erosion of sports, of sportsmanship, fair play, respect for your opponent, humility, and team above all else. The team, the team, the team. That's sports. And it is a take that gets derided in the popular culture. If I were to roll this rant out on my radio show, oh my God, you should see. You would you would see the usual troglodytes. Ah, old man shakes fist at clouds. Luckily, you guys on the Zabecast get me, and you get it, and you're a smarter cut of cat that I know most of you probably like, Goddamn right, Zabe. And I, as a coach at this level of this particular sport, see it all the time. It's everybody. The coaches, the players, the announcers, the television partners, the radio hosts, the pundits, you name it. It's a race to the bottom. And we're getting there quick. And so that's what leads to these ugly incidents like between Michigan State and Michigan. Well, yeah, the tunnel's a problem. We, we need another tunnel. The fuck we do? That tunnel has been in that stadium for a hundred years. Why is it now all of a sudden a problem? Did the Michigan player, number one, go bouncing up into the, Penn St- or the uh, Michigan State players to kind of get some shit started? You bet he did. Was that wrong? A thousand percent. Should he be disciplined? I hope he would. But I doubt it. But on the flip side of it, What on earth are we doing that players in that tunnel are removing their helmet and using it as a weapon to bludgeon this guy with? I mean, that's fucking crazy. It's as crazy as, say, four players on Texas A&M whose season is going down the shitter right now at warp speed, smoking weed in the locker room before a game, just hours before a game. What the fuck? But it's the circling the downward spiraling, it's Nick Saban who had a chance to make a statement with one of his best players who was caught smacking college co-eds at Tennessee women inadvertently, quote-unquote inadvertently, uh, as they lost at Tennessee and the fans stormed the field, which is going to happen. He's like, ah, yeah, you don't know what happened, and I talked to him, and we're going to work on it, but he's not going to suspend him. A terrible look for Nick Saban. And he's the one guy that I kind of had thought and hoped he could be above the current state of sports with the back and forth and just the shit talking. The shit talking leads to tunnel fights like that. So we don't need more tunnels or better tunnels or more secured tunnels. We need more young athletes who are dipped in and soaked in and sealed in the ethos of sports as it should be. Fair play, sportsmanship, teamwork, respect for your opponent, respect for your coaches, humility, and team above all else. And thus endeth the rant. The king of returns has struck again. I bought some AirPod 3s at Costco, and I've already returned them. Why? Because I realized I wanted to try the AirPod Pro 2s. Which I didn't think would fit me or I didn't think would feel good based on the little rubber tips. I'm happy to report. I actually think I'm going to keep these. Pretty happy with uh, that purchase. Now, I am going to return. I I was at Target to get the Apple Pro 2s. Uh, The Beats Fit Pro slightly less $200 uh, with a little hook on it to help fit in your ear better. Sound quality, I think, much worse than the Apple sound quality. So I'll keep you posted on that. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. You need Indeed. Elon Musk, holy shit, is he going through Twitter with a buzzsaw? It's almost too fast to keep up with everything. The big news that broke on Sunday was he plans to charge blue checks $20 to keep their blue check and presumably get some extra services as part of Twitter blue or a subscription version. Of Twitter. $20. Well, for a year, that's not too bad. Oh, no. Did I say a month? $20 bucks a month. On the one hand, I'm like, that's kind of aggressive. Just for a blue check and a certain few other features, maybe an edit button or maybe a tweet deck on your mobile phone uh, or some other features. 20 is a bit much. You got to calm down, Elon. On the other hand, I'm like, fucking genius. All these blue checks who have gotten their blue checks and they walk around and they police that sandbox known as Twitter with their blue check mark. I am somebody of consequence. By the way, the algorithm also gives them more promotion, more reach, more impact, more interaction. That's baked in there. That's well known now. Guess what? Make them pay for it. I don't know how many millions of blue checks there are. But boom, instant revenue stream. Now, would the journalists who have enjoyed their blue check status give it up and go, fine, it's just a blue check? I am who I am. It says so in my bio. It doesn't matter. Yours truly, not a blue check. I've applied. Uh, they have said, well, they didn't say anything. They just, they're like, no, you're denied. I'm like, okay, 51,000 followers, not terrible. Was on national radio. People know who I am. I got a website. I got a podcast that has trackable numbers. You know, no, really. And this this dipshit third level State Department staffer with two thousand followers, he's got a blue check mark. Okay, whatever. Anyway, I think it's brilliant to charge him revenue stream, and it's going to trigger the fuck out of him. But that said, I think that a lot of the blue checks that work in the media will just have that blue check mark paid for. By their company, which is also fine if Musk is like, look, I'm not trying to run anybody off of their blue checks, but yeah, I should probably be making some money off of it. And then what about if you buy a blue check just for, you know, certain things? Like, I think what's going to trigger a lot of those on the left who are now like, I'm leaving Twitter, is that people with the wrong opinions or troglodyte worldviews or unacceptable stances are now going to be able to get a blue check just like they have. And oh, is that going to fucking drive them crazy? Also, Musk posted a screenshot of some internal messaging at Twitter that implies that the executives there knowingly hid information both from Musk during the purchase and their law firm did the same thing, which could put them in big legal trouble, but I'm going to keep my hopes low on that. And then he reports that he's going to fire a bunch of people right before he owes them their annual bonus, which, again, you could take the driest riverbed in the dead of summer in El Paso, Texas, and it would not be as dry as my eyes are regarding Twitter employees who might miss their bone eye because of this. Too bad, so sad, suck it. We'll see what happens to Twitter from here. The other big story was the Paul Pelosi home invasion and hammer attack, possible assassination attempt on his wife, Nancy Pelosi who was not home at the time. Now listen, there is evolving facts on this case to say the least. There is reporting That is being amended. The San Francisco Police Department has changed their story considerably already. I'm going to need to sit back a second and see some more, hear some more, think about this some more to figure out, okay, what exactly was this? First of all, thoughts and prayers to Paul Pelosi. Let's hope he recovers from a brutal attack and a skull surgery, the emergency brain surgery. I mean, that is... That, to me, freaks me out. Ugh. So, you know, hope he recovers fully. I hope they prosecute this asshole to the fullest extent of the law, which, as you know, in California doesn't always happen. Boy, the police got there quick, too, didn't they? I wish every citizen of the great Bay Area got such prompt police service as the Pelosi household did, but I don't think they do. Anyway, what was it? Was it a focused and concentrated and well-thought-out assassination attempt targeted at Nancy Pelosi that almost could have turned tragic or was it a gorked out nudist marijuana addict who is living in a quasi commune whose own wife or ex-wife is in prison right now for abusing their kids who was just completely jacked up on bath salts and got a notion is in his head to go. Attack the Pelosi household. Don't know. Could it have been somebody that. Pelosi knew. Uh, That was one of the early reports. You know the whole gay lover angle. With a lover's spat gone wrong. Was one that got a lot of traction. In fact Musk even tweeted out a story from a not-so-high-profile news outlet, deleted the story, deleted the tweet, saying, you know, there might be more to the story than this being a politically motivated attack. We don't know right now. So many conflicting angles, so many changing stories from the police, we'll see. Now, you would think with body cams, with security cameras at the household, hell, they got to at least have a ring fucking doorbell, don't they? you think we'd know more, right? Somehow I'm skeptical we're really going to know more. They may have to dig in and go, all right, this looks bad, but let's spin it this way. We know that the politicians obviously rushed to make it most advantageous to them. So, of course, Democrats are screaming about, Trump did this. He normalized this culture of hate, conveniently ignoring all the other violent attacks on Republicans whether it was Rand Paul or Steve Scalise in the baseball game, uh, or uh, more recently Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, it's fucking crazy out there. There's lunatics out there who don't need any prodding to do lunatic things, and it and it's a it's a toxic culture. So uh, let's wait to see what it is. I mean, could be like I said on a wide scale. On the one hand, on the one far end of the spectrum, it could be. It could be a concerted, well-thought-out, but-just-didn't-quite-hit-the-mark execution attap, attack, execution attempt, and or kidnapping plot gone wrong. Or, on the other end of the spectrum, it could be a midnight gay lover underwear hammer fight that went wrong. Like, that's the far end. It's it, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere definitely in the middle. I don't think it's A. I don't think it's B. It's somewhere in the middle. And uh, we'll see what comes out. Kyrie Irving is wearing out the Brooklyn Nets. I almost called it, the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is he's going to blow up their fucking season. And it's funny as shit. And I am here for it, as the kids say. Uh, Kyrie Irving over the weekend was grilled about him putting on his Instagram – a link to a movie on Amazon streaming that deals with uh, blacks and Jews and relations. And I don't even know the title of the movie. I'm not going to mention it here. I, I don't, whatever. It's probably a horrible pack of insane half truths. If not outright lies meant to spur a certain agenda and, or feeling about certain groups, but it's on Amazon. That's the thing. It's hosted on Amazon streaming, which there are standards for that. You know, they don't just let anything on Amazon streaming. So now they're mad at Kyrie because he put a link up to it. He didn't say, this is a great movie. You should go watch it. I think I learned a lot from this. He didn't promote it, but they were saying, but you are promoting it by putting the link out there to which I go, but it's on Amazon streaming. So like, where's the line exactly now? Kyrie Irving is a certified dipshit. But like a broken clock that is right twice a day, the certified dipshit that he is, is right every now and then. He was right about the vaccine. Good for him. But otherwise, on a good day, on a clear day, he's a dipshit. Guy gets way too much of his stuff from the internet and other weird websites and YouTube. People that are like, ah, oh, this is the truth here. But that's the thing, see... Sometimes guys can be dipshits who are right about a particular issue at least twice a day. Who knows? People were getting on him about, oh, he posted an Alex Jones thing. I mean, Alex Jones is a, is a psychopath and a scumbag. He's not always wrong about everything. You do know that, right? There's a few things he's actually right about. And then there's a bunch of other things that make him a despicable asshole. That said, I think this, you know, jury, uh, Uh, settlement, the jury decision against him for a billion dollars. I think that's going to have some really bad precedent going forward. Apparently to according to another report at a team dinner at Steve Nash's house, (laughs) Kyrie was going off about this, that, or the other. And he got Steve Nash so pissed off. He stormed out of his own house. Steve Nash couldn't take it. He's like, okay, ah, God damn it. I can't listen to this asshole. I'm getting up. I'm leaving. Oh, I have all the popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. I got it ready. I'm eating it. Hand over fist. Too bad the Lakers won over the weekend. They were hopefully going to go 0-82. It's not going to happen. They finally won. But they're going to be a disaster this year as well. And meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks just quietly keep winning undefeated. Giannis is putting up monster numbers. And this is all without their... Best shooting guard in Chris Middleton. It's a beautiful thing. World Series 1-1. I've enjoyed it. Didn't get to see much of the first game. Got to see a little bit of the second game due to family obligations. And the thing about umpiring is interesting because my my boy down there in Houston, Houston Scotty, is so big. on oh, This umpire sucks. That umpire sucks. Well, the guy who did game two was so good, he got like a perfect score according to this website that tracks uh, and uses stats on uh, the electronic balls and strikes to great umpires. Perfect score, which got me to thinking. Here's what they should have for the World Series. You want the best umpires, right? You don't just want the guys who have been in the union a long time and they're owed a World Series assignment. So like, ah, we, we owe him an assignment. Let's go ahead and put him in there. I mean, fucking Angel Hernandez has done World Series. That should tell you all you need to know right there. They don't always send their best to their best. I think they send the best three guys according to their internal grading system to the World Series. They let guy one do game one, two, three, run it back, one, two, three, one, two, three. If there's a game seven, that gets assigned to the umpire of those three who had the best World Series grade of his two games. Boom. Now we're talking. I'm enjoying the World Series. I have not seen the ratings yet. I expect them to be lackluster given the state of things. The Athletics could be moving to Las Vegas. In fact, it looks like it's pretty much a fait accompli at this point. Rob Manfred said he just doesn't see there any any prospects for a new stadium in Oakland, and so therefore, they're going to move. For those who live in Oakland, that side of the Bay Area, I'm sorry, I feel your pain. But this was probably going to be Inevitable. Golf, real quick. The Live wrapped up its first season with uh, Dustin Johnson's four aces winning the team championship on Sunday down at Doral. Sunday or Saturday? I think it was a Sunday finish. The team competition was combined with some individual play, and then they had match play, uh, a two-on-two match play versus a one-on-one And it was very complicated and I started to read about it and I quickly said, ugh, I can't keep track of any of this. Maybe it'll catch fire with fans, maybe not, I doubt it. One thing I know is this, whoever thinks, whether it's the live tour themselves or their friendly media or the bots on Twitter that are pushing out live content, whoever thinks that we care, about how rich they're getting, you need to stop. Because we don't. Like, that's not a selling point. In fact, it's a even a slight turnoff, if you ask me. When I saw the picture of Pat Perez, that mulleted dipwad in shorts, standing there with the trophy, knowing he made $4 million for being a, an accessory to the team, basically. It turns me off. It doesn't excite me. So the notion of, hey, these guys are playing for a lot of money. Don't you want to watch? It's a lot of money. Well, how much do I get? Oh, I don't get any of the money. Well, why the fuck do I care? The money is supposed to be a substitute for the pressure and the nerves of playing against the best of the best in the world or playing in the biggest of tournaments that demand the most precision, skill, nerves, and guile. It doesn't. I don't give a shit about the money, Live Tour, so stop promoting it. Somebody also said they had some of their lowest YouTube streaming numbers of the year for this final event. Now you could say, well, it's football season, nobody cares anymore. What's the big deal? It's uh, kind of a big deal if the trajectory is downward. If it's a people are looking and they're like, all right, let me give it a shot. Nah, I don't really like it. That's a bad trajectory to be on. Live Tour is not going anywhere the guys who stayed on the PGA tour should send quiet, anonymous bottles of the finest liquor and wine to those who jumped ship because it gave them raises without having to leave the PGA tour and without having to deal with all the blowback and the scorn. That's also true. Live tour, not going anywhere guys in the PGA tour stayed. O. Mickelson and company and Dustin Johnson and Kepka a big time. Thanks for getting them a raise And at the same time, the tour is complete trash. Complete stupid trash with formats that you can't understand that holds no interest or sway for people who really love the game of golf. All three opinions, perfectly valid. They don't contradict each other. It's just that life is sometimes a big sea of gray. Oh, and the live tour is not going anywhere anytime soon. The Saudis are not going to run out of money. Greg Norman is committed to seeing this through for a couple of years at least. I think it's... It's a heavy overloaded jumbo jet on a long runway with a cliff at the end and they're not going to fly. When they get to the end of the runway, it'll be the end of the runway. But we'll see. That's the fun of sports. We shall see. Oh, and Tom Brady was on the cover of Golf Magazine. I got it actually in my mailbox on a Saturday morning. I went out there like, look at this. I don't even know why I subscribe to a physical copy of the magazine. I'm sure it was some promotion. I like having the physical golf digest in the house. If nothing else, is a decorative accent piece to my man cave. But Tom Brady on the cover. One day after his divorce went final with Giselle. They either must have great lawyers, B, had been working on this thing for quite a while, or C, are just reasonable people who are super rich that said Fine. You have this, i all of that. You get custody here, I'll get custody there. That does happen. Quick and amicable divorces do happen. But it certainly deprived us in the content business of months and months of, ooh, did you hear this? Which is none of our business. Respect their privacy. Okay, fine. Good luck, Tommy, the rest of the year. You still have a team that is eh, not very good. And you are starting to slow down. To try to figure out how to get into the playoffs. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you very much for downloading, being a loyal ZabeCast listener and follower. Sorry it was late today. Hope I gave you some enjoyment today as a solo cast. More to come tomorrow with Andy Poley as we close out week eight in the National Football League. Thanks for subscribing as well. Have a great Monday. Enjoy your Halloween, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet, and simple to win, and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, with MyBookie.